0: Chapter Ten of the Expedition of the Donner Party and Its Tragic Fate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alana Jordan. The Expedition of the Donner Party and Its Tragic Fate by Eliza P. Donner Haughton. Chapter Ten relief measures inaugurated in california disturbed conditions because of mexican war generous subscriptions three parties organize first relief under racine tucker second relief under reed and greenwood and relay camp under woodworth first relief party crosses snow belt and reaches donner lake the kindness and sympathy shown mr eddy by the good people in the neighborhood of the Ritchie and johnson ranches encouraged his efforts in behalf of his fellow sufferers in the mountains while the early sunlight of january nineteen was flooding his room with cheer and warmth he dictated a letter to mr john sinclair alcalde of the upper district of california living near sutter's fort in which he stated as briefly as possible conditions and perils surrounding the snow-bound travelers and begged him to use every means in his power toward their immediate rescue bear river was running high and the plain between it and sutter's fort seemed a vast quagmire but john rhodes volunteered to deliver the letter he was ferried over the river on a raft formed of two logs lashed together with strips of rawhide then he rolled his trousers above the knee and with his shoes in hand started on his mission he saw no white faces until he reached sinclair's where the letter created a painful interest and won ready promises of help it was dark when he reached sutter's fort nevertheless from house to house he spread the startling report men women and little children are snowbound in the sierras and starving to death captain kearns in charge at the fort pledged his aid an influence to the cause of relief. Captain Sutter, who had already twice sent supplies, first by Stanton, and again by McCutcheon and Reed, in their unsuccessful attempt to cross the mountains, at once agreed to cooperate with Alcalde Sinclair. While Captain Kearns at Sutter's fort was sending messengers to different points, and Mrs. Sinclair was collecting clothing to replace the tattered garments of the members of the Forlorn Hope, her husband dispatched an open letter to the people of san francisco describing the arrival of the survivors of the forlorn hope and the heart-rending condition of those remaining in the mountains he urged immediate action and offered his services for individual work or to cooperate with government relief or any parties that might be preparing to go out with Messrs. reed and mccutcheon who were known to be endeavoring to raise a second expedition. The letter was taken to the city hotel in San Francisco and read aloud in the dining-room. Its contents aroused all the tender emotions known to human nature. Some of the listeners had parted from members of the Donner Party at the Little Sandy, when its prospects appeared so bright, and the misfortunes which had since befallen the party seemed incredible women left the room sobbing and men called those passing in from the street to join the knots of earnest talkers all were ready and willing to do but alas the obstacles which had prevented mr reed getting men for the mountain work still remained to be overcome existing war between mexico and the united states was keeping california in a disturbed condition most of the able-bodied male immigrants had enlisted under captain fremont as soon as they reached the country and were still on duty in the southern part of the province and the non enlisted were deemed necessary for the protection of the colonies of american women and children encamped on the soil of the enemy moreover all felt that each man who should attempt to cross the snow belt would do so at the peril of his life mr reed who in the late autumn had sent petitions to the military governor and to lieutenant washington a bartlett of the united states navy alcalde of the town and district of san francisco but as yet had obtained nothing now appeared before each person and was promised assistance captain mervine of the united states navy and mr richardson united states collector each subscribed fifty dollars to the cause on his own account as a result of these appeals alcalde bartlett called a public meeting and so intense was the feeling that mr dunleary the first speaker had scarcely taken his seat on the platform when the people rushed to the chairman's table from all parts of the house with their hands full of silver dollars and could hardly be induced to stay their generosity until the meeting was organized a treasurer and two committees were appointed the one to solicit subscriptions and the other to purchase supplies The alcalde was requested to act with both committees. Seven hundred dollars was subscribed before the meeting adjourned. Seven hundred dollars in an isolated Spanish province among newly arrived immigrants was a princely sum to gather. Messrs. Ward and Smith, in addition to a generous subscription, offered their launch Disminana to transport the expedition to Feather River, and Mr. John Fuller volunteered to pilot the launch it was decided to fit out an expedition under charge of past midshipman woodworth who had tendered his services for the purpose he to act under instructions of the military governor and cooperate with the committee aiding reed soon thereafter old trapper greenwood appeared in san francisco asking for assistance in fitting out a following to go to the mountains with himself and mccutcheon mr george yount and others in and around sonoma and napa having recommended him as a leader donations of horses mules beef and flour had already been sent to his camp in napa valley furthermore lieutenant william l mowry u s navy commander at the port don mariano g vallejo s commandant general of california mr george yound and others subscribed the sum Of five hundred dollars in specie toward outfitting Greenwood and the men he should select to cross the mountains. Greenwood urged that he should have ten or twelve men on whom he could rely after reaching deep snow. These, he said, he could secure if he had the ready money to make advances and to procure the necessary warm clothing and blankets. He had crossed the Sierras before when the snow lay deep on the summit and now proposed to drive over horses and kill them at the camps as provisions for the sufferers. If this scheme should fail, he and his sons, with others, would get food to the camp on snowshoes. Thornton says, The Governor-General of California, after due form, and trusting to the generosity and humanity of the government which he represented, appropriated $400 on government account. Board outfitting this relief party furthermore in compliance with an application from alcalde bartlett for the committee captain mervine of the u s frigate savannah furnished from the ship's stores ten days full of rations for ten men the crews of the savannah and the sloop warren and the marines in garrison at san francisco increased the relief fund to thirteen hundred dollars messrs mellis and howard tendered their launch to carry the party up the bay to sonoma and captain sutter proffered his launch sacramento for river use it was now settled that the reed greenwood party should go to johnson's ranch by way of sonoma and napa and woodworth with his men and supplies including clothing for the destitute should go by boat to sutter's landing there procure pack-animals buy beef cattle and hurry on to the snow-belt establish a relay camp slaughter the cattle and render all possible aid toward the immediate rescue of the snow-bound meanwhile before alcalde Sinclair's letter had time to reach san francisco he and captain sutter began outfitting the men destined to become the first relief aguila gover and R.S. Moutray volunteered their services, declaring their willingness to undertake the hazardous journey for the sake of the lives they might save. To hasten recruits for service, Captain Sutter and Alcalde Sinclair promised that in case the government should fail to grant the sum, they themselves would become responsible for the payment of three dollars per day to each man who would get food through to the snowbound camps accordingly aguilla glover and r s motray driving pack animals well laden with warm clothing blankets and food supplies left the fort at sunrise on the morning of february the first and on the third reached johnson's ranch where they joined Messrs. tucker johnson Ritchie, and others who being anxious to assist in the good work had killed and were fire drying beef to take up the mountains here two days were spent making pack-saddles driving in horses and getting supplies in shape indians were kept at the hand-mill grinding wheat part of the flour was sacked and part converted into bread by the women in the vicinity on the morning of the fifth of february alcalde sinclair rode to johnson's ranch and all things being ready he appointed racine tucker captain of the company and in touching words commended the heroic work of its members, and bade them Godspeed in their errand of mercy. When ready to mount, he shook hands with each man, and recorded the names in a notebook as follows. Racine Tucker, Aguilla Glover, R.S. Miltre, John Rhodes, Daniel Rhodes, Edward Kaufmeyer, D. Ritchie, James Curtis, William Eddy, William Kuhn, George Tucker, Adolph Brenheim, and john foster this party is generally known as the first relief their route to the snow belt lay through sections of country which had become so soft and oozy that the horses often sank in mire flank deep and the streams were so swollen that progress was alarmingly slow on the second day they were driven into camp early by heavy rains which drenched clothing blankets and even the provisions carefully stored under the saddles and leather saddle-covers this caused a delay of thirty-six hours for everything had to be sun or fire dried before the party could resume travel upon reaching mule springs the party found the snow from three to four feet deep and contrary to expectations saw that it would be impossible to proceed farther with the horses mr eddy was now ill of fever and unfit to continue the climb whereupon his companions promised to bring out his loved ones if he would return with joe varrow whom mr johnson had sent along to bring the pack animals home after they should cease to be of use at mule springs the party built a brush storehouse for the extra supplies and appointed george tucker and william coon camp-keepers then they prepared packs containing jerked beef flour and bread each weighing between forty and seventy-five pounds according to the temperament and strength of the respective carriers the following morning ten men started on their toilsome march to bear valley where they arrived on the thirteenth and at once began searching for the abandoned wagon and provisions which reed and mccutcheon had cached the previous autumn after their fruitless attempt to scale the mountains The wagon was found under snow ten feet in depth, but its supplies had been destroyed by wild beasts. Warned by this catastrophe, the first relief decided to preserve its supplies for the return trip by hanging them in parcels from ropes tied to boughs of trees. The ten kept together courageously until the fifteenth, when Mr. M. D. Ritchie, James Curtis, and Adolf Brenheim gave up and turned back. Mr. Tucker, fearing that others might become disheartened, and do likewise, guaranteed each man who would persevere to the end five dollars per diem, dating from the time the party entered the snow. The remaining seven pushed ahead, and on the 18th encamped on the summit overlooking the lake, where the snow was said to be forty feet in depth. The following morning, Aguilla Glover and Daniel Rhodes, were so oppressed by the altitude, that their companions had to relieve them of their packs and help them on to the cabins, which, as chronicled in a previous chapter, the party reached on the 19th of February, 1847. End of chapter 10